This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Alice Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Oh, my goodness! Oh, my goodness! Far post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Comes to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! since we last talked i forgot about the late night love bit that was fun yeah yeah um well let's give him another mention graham torrenton um did great work back in the day but yes finally rich you've been able to release that pod justice for the uh garner's gone pod and uh here we are to talk about more contemporary matters and i know how much you love the managerial merry-go-round rich i'm a huge fan it's harmless fun and i know you agree oh i love it it's yeah it's that sort of time to dream about possibility and um yeah until simon grayson's appointed then um yeah we'll keep dreaming well we know it's not going to be simon grayson don't we and i listened back to a episode from two weeks ago i didn't remember much and other than a bit of chorley talk i'm quite happy with how it went you are already a little bit sort of better in spirits i would say than you were that night yeah, I think the word I used that night was bewildered because it had just come from, well, maybe it, things had been happening in the background for a couple of weeks. But in my world, that came bang from left field, as we covered on the pod. It was um, a destabiliser that we didn't want, but um, I suppose we've got to, got to now view it as a an opportunity to do something something even better. Something a little bit different, perhaps, but better. Yeah. And we'll talk about potential names. I think everyone is completely uh, 
well, they're not in the loop over who 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 it is. A lot of people are confident of you know someone is waiting in the wings, but nobody is giving names out, which is great to be fair. Before we go into the magical world of the merry-go-round, let's talk about Ben Garner uh, because we didn't really last time talk about the season that he had with Swindon, did we? We didn't talk about the highs, the lows, and how well or not so well he did. I think generally it was a very, very good season from him and that he's ended up at Charlton is is testament to that. 56 games for Swindon, 28 wins, 12 draws and 16 losses. Quite a good effort, in fairness. What will you, in say five, ten years time, when we think about the Ben Garner tenure, which wasn't very long at all, what, what will be the things that spring to mind for you? Well, firstly... And I, I've talked about it a lot of times over the the course of the season that the real sort of statistical quirks, which were you know a really bang average halfway up the league home record, which continued to baffle um, until those last couple of the months of the season when we seemed to get our act together. And well, on the flip side, an absolutely magnificent away record, rewarding those often um, sold out and packed away ends. Full of Sunderland fans. So um, I think that's probably why there's a little bit of a an element of the Sunderland fan base that are saying, you know what, good riddance, we can do better. Because actually a lot of the fan base saw the majority of home games. That's where they're getting their views of, of Ghana. But um, in this modern world that we live in, a lot of us have watched most of the games home and away due to, due to I follow. And yeah, I think... When I look back in five or ten years' time, I think I'm going to look back really fondly. Um, I'm not full of angst that he left for a, a bigger club in Charlton. I think a lot of the disillusionment, a lot of the angst you're seeing right now is more about the last couple of weeks of limbo, I think, where perhaps you know, our anger should be slightly more aimed towards Charlton. Um, however, they went about their business. It seemed to be very slow, methodical. And um, with little regard for the uh, the Swindon end of the negotiations. Little regard for their own fans. I mean, <laughs> well, that too. if anything, because I think what we have here is is a damp squib appointment for Charlton fans, no matter how you package it. People say, look at those stats from last season about how many shots and people can just throw back where they didn't go up and it was Lee too. you know? So, yeah. and I'm, I'm thinking about this from a Charlton athletic supporter perspective. So, I think Ben Garner is a reasonably high sell for them. So to dismiss the paper talk and, you know, release statements about how everything is still ongoing and then to reveal him as if it's like the big, the big, well, the big reveal, Mm. (laughs) it just seems so strange. Like up to a few days ago, you know, the, uh, the owner's wife going on Twitter and say, it's not all done yet. And, and so forth, and giving them that hope that somebody will come out of left field. And yet, there he is, Ben Garner, <laughs> smiling away, uh, and now having to really sing for his supper early on, which is, he did that with Bristol Rovers, Swindon, and now Charlton. So, yeah. very odd. Well, that is very much a manager's life, isn't it? Um, you only have a three or four bad games away from, you know, being massively under pressure, and you only have a three or four games away from being manager of the month. So, yeah, it's fragile. But what what he has done for himself there is obviously seems to have secured a bit of a pay rise. Good on him. He's got himself another three year contract. Um, 
And as we touched on in uh, in the last pod a couple of weeks ago, he's probably got enough credit in the bank with the job that he's done at Swindon that if you know if he is sacked in February by Charlton, then he's probably going to get another crack at it in League Two or high end conference. Um, uh, you know, as a manager. So yeah, I suppose we just got to say good luck to him. I think context when looking back at his time at Swindon is really important. Uh, I know. You hate to um to hark back to the summer last year, but you know that were, it was a bit of a miracle start to the season, all things considered, wasn't it? Um, the lack of a preseason, um, the rushed nature of making the sign-ins, um, and probably overachieved in that first part of the season, um. Maybe the lack of a pre-season and the lack of depth in the squad slightly told through the winter months. And we did have a couple of sticky patches. Um, Garner's style of football definitely came under criticism more than once at Swindon for being ponderous, too possession-based, lacking purpose. But I think actually there were a couple of times where he did turn that round slightly. There was... um, a run of games in February, March time where uh, in amongst that was the 5-0 win against Warsaw. And then towards the end of the season, winning the, was it five games on the trot? If you counted the, or was it six with the Port Vale first leg win as well? It was, let's work it out because we lost to Orion and then we beat Hartlepool Way, Forest Green and Barrow, then Warsaw and then the first ah, okay. leg. So. Yeah. so I think in that, in that five game winning streak, I think you saw what a lot of us hoped we would start with in August. A sort of attacking, higher tempo, 4-3-3, um, with a full pre-season behind them, new recruits. And I think um, I think we would have been on for a very good season indeed under Garner's tutelage. But um, yeah, so it, I, I can understand why some people will hark back to the the bad runs and some of the criticism um, around, you know, the style of football and the slight lack of purpose. But I, I, I do feel like Ghana had just about sort of cracked it in his own mind. Um, and the other thing to say, you know, throughout the season, and you, you definitely saw it in the second leg at Port Vale, that the lack of options that he trusted off the bench, which... Um, I think probably cost us a bit of legs late in that game. Um, and I think, again, coming into this new season ahead, I think there will be more depth. Um, and actually, something else that gives me the faith that we would have finished finished in the top three. So, yeah, I think I think we'll look back with fondness. It was a really fun season with a sad ending. Mm, we are essentially one of three clubs that, are just looking at one result where it would have changed everything. Northampton, Port Vale, Swindon, Port Vale, less so obviously because they went up, but we all of us could have gone up automatically had it not been for a result. Mansfield also, but their goal difference wasn't as strong. Um, so yeah, licking wounds, but that season, 21-22, is now history and so is Ben Garner in terms of his Swindon career. So we look forward to drawing them in the first round yes. of the League Cup and welcoming him back or going to the Valley or whatever we'd have to do. Yeah, let's go to um, the Valley, that's fun. That. 
but you know that's almost certain it's going to happen in some way maybe in the uh papa john's or something like that so yeah we'll see you next season who are we kidding <laughs> so so we move on to the next manager and you know a lot of noise it might not appear on social media but there's a lot of you know people rushing around trying to find out who this new manager is going to be lots of this and that and you know clues and and pieces that nobody really has a clue what's going on in fact we look at the odds the betting odds since since I've recorded with Terry have changed dramatically several times over so we talked last time about Mark Cooper he's dropped down to 25 to 1 Richie Wellens and Sol Campbell goodbye 33 to 1 they're gone and Sol Campbell was there throughout people have stopped buying into it and now we've had quite a few new names emerge so in the sort of realistic under 20 to 1 odds we've we've got Andrew Crofts first off who's currently Brighton and Hove Albion's under 21 manager he went there as a player so he went there as a senior player playing in the reserves only and now he's retired and he's looking after the under 21s he's got a great reputation Clem Fooney, I'm pretty sure, loves Brighton in in, set, in how they're set up and how their their football philosophy runs too. So six to one, people have obviously heard something because he's emerged somewhere, but who knows? Yeah, he yeah. It, I mean, it was in the latter part of today. He just popped up in the betting alongside another um, man with Brighton connections, Simon Rusk. Um, but sticking on Crofts, I think. Just again, football in hearsay. I don't, I don't know that much about Brighton, other than you know, as a club, they have risen well in the last ten years. Um, they've got a lovely new stadium. They seem to have a good footballing philosophy. Um, they punch their weight in the Premier League, which is to be to be commended. And and Croft does seem to be a man with a lot of credit in the bank. He's thirty eight. Was a full international with Wales. Um, seems again just from my little bit of reading tonight seems to have been credited with the rise of uh, players like Aaron Connolly who came in and made a bit of an impact for Brighton um, he's knocking around in the championship now somewhere isn't he now where is he no idea no idea he, he's in there somewhere but um, yeah that, that would that would fit the kind of Garner mould except for Cross hasn't had a senior job like Garner had had at Bristol Rovers, that is assuming that they want to go down the exact same route. What we have seen also, I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to this, Rich, is obviously Ben Chorley out, who seemed to be much more of a football man's director of football. And in comes Sandro Di Michele. Um, Very nice. Thank you. Um, as technical director with much more of a business PR data kind of background. So it does make me wonder if there's going to be slightly more emphasis on the the manager and assistant manager to lead the footballing operation with Di Michele um, doing much more of the, you know, identification of players via data. Whereas I think Chorley was much more of a man with connections, ear on the ground in the southeast of England. Um, how, do, how do you think that's going to play out, Rich? Do you think there is a slight repositioning of emphasis? I don't know. All I all I'm seeing is you disrespecting my running order ridiculously right now. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. But it is relevant. Simon Rusk. It, now Di Michele, you know It what, is relevant what, to who's gonna get the job though, isn't it? 
well, yes, because well, this is I think a, a Clem Morfuni, Rob Angus appointment, and not a Di Michele. So we'll we'll see. We'll we'll park that for the moment to say Paul Sorry. Caddis got got to five to one. People must have seen him in Costa. I'd be very surprised. Um, yeah, we all love Cads. Double championship winnings from an in-town player. Speaks tremendously well as a co-commentator on the radio. Knows the game inside out, clearly. I just think it's probably a year or two too early. Um, I think there probably is a little bit more cutting of teeth uh, in terms of coaching, assistant manager somewhere. And who knows, you know, he might end up being a coach at Swindon Town. You just, you don't know, do you? But um, yeah, probably just a bit too early and would be a bit too sentimental at this stage to it, um, entrust him with a League 2 promotion charge. I think you want a bit more of a sure thing. And that's no disrespect to Paul Callis. I love the guy. I think if he wants to go into coaching, then he will be a success at it. Four to one is Matt Taylor both. So mega Matt Taylor yeah. is hanging in there. <laughs> I, I do I do wonder if we were to have the two Matt Taylors, maybe add the Oxford United Matt Taylor, Up front, um, yeah. the Real Salt, Salt Lake assistant Matt Taylor, the canoeist yeah. Matt Taylor, and maybe the Matt, Matty Taylor of Gaelic football fame. Don't forget Matt Taylor of Gloucestershire. County Cricket Club as How well. How could I forget? There's several. So if we if we just fuse all of these Matthew Matt Matty Taylors, yeah. then maybe we will have a, a super manager. And a good Netflix documentary. The Matt Taylor project. <laughs> oh, and what and what a project. But you know, and, and that's that's pretty much all I've got to say about that because yeah. just the fact that it says Matt Taylor both is quite oh, ridiculous and shows that nobody knows what they're doing. Mark Delaney is at eleven till four. That one's not going away, no. is it? Uh, Mark Delaney. And I've not heard any noise. It's very much a bet victor noise, but someone's putting money on it. Yeah, so looking at Delaney, he's recently left his job as Aston Villa's under-23s manager. Uh, people will be aware that Aston Villa have a very strong youth and academy set up and that under-23s team is obviously the bridge between first-team uh, and that sort of academy. Um, seemed to have been highly regarded at Villa. Um, was there a long time as a player and has been there as a coach since 2015, correct me if I'm wrong, um, and has left. So he he's in the market. He fits that academy under 23s coach kind of profile the midlands isn't very far away he's welsh which james and uh, jr would absolutely love it would be an interesting one I, I don't think somebody has known something at some point because to be 11 to 4 and have, have held in there where others like wellens have drifted way out from short odds Wellens was like two to one last week, wouldn't he? So, yeah, um, yeah it, I, I wouldn't be against that one. I, I think if we were looking for a similar type of manager to Ghana, more down the coaching route, then um, why not? Why not indeed? Spoiler alert from earlier, but yes, Simon Rusk has appeared from nowhere and is suddenly two to one. Mm. Simon Rusk has, um, I remember him as a Boston player back in the day, Ugh. but he's um, had a decent coaching career uh, he was with Brighton under 23s got the the job at Stockport I mean his his record at Stockport was quite good but he was canned 
Um, Stockport can probably justify that now because they went on to win the league. Yeah. Uh, more recently, he was assisting Mark McGee at Dundee, relegated left. It looks like he's off to England youth. So if if he, he he's either going to take an, again a cushy little job in the England setup at St George's Park, or he's going to come to Swindon. Uh, given what he's experienced in recent seasons, I'd probably go for the England role, <laughs> but. Again, people have heard something because, bam, two to one out of nowhere. Yeah. He wasn't on the list at all. To go from not on the list to two to one in the space of a couple hours, somebody thinks they know something. Emphasis being on thinks. Um, but yeah, interesting. It's another Brighton connection. Um, my own, again, loose recollection was that he, he did quite well at Stockport, got them to the playoffs in the the end of that first season lost to Hartlepool managed by Dave Challoner Dave Challoner ironically was the man who replaced him so perhaps the Stockport board were dazzled by Challoner in the playoffs um yeah um he was sacked with them in 10th um October November time wasn't it just gone mm-hmm. and obviously they were a very ambitious club this year um signing players like Paddy Madden, and who was the Bolton midfielder? Sarsovic went there, and I'm sure he's picking up some decent money. So, um, yeah, Stockport wanted to get out of that league and fast, and um, Rusk did not uh, get afforded the time to uh, finish the job um, in the way that Challoner definitely did. But, um, yeah, McGee was his assistant at uh, Stockport, I believe. And then Rusk has just been McGee's appointment at, uh, assistant at Dundee. Will be at that that time's now finished. I, I I just don't want Mark McGee anywhere near my club. I just can't get over the mm-hmm. with Dean 2004. So Rusk, if you come in, yeah. not Mark McGee, please. Um, yeah, there's 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 something about Simon Rusk with Mark McGee that makes me think it all goes wrong and we get Mark M- McGee for the rest of the season no. from November. Um, which will be great for Mark McGee because that means he gets <laughs> he joins the uh, the a thousand clubs a thousand games managed club, so he would probably want that. But I I would be oh dear that that would that's nightmares. We're, we're given the nightmare scenario here. I've I've heard nothing but good about Simon Rusk, um, but that England role wasn't announced that long ago. Yes. So, you know, it. You, I, I know coaches do bounce around a lot, but we're talking less than a month ago, he was announced as a as an England youth coach. So, you know. Yeah. I think it would be odd, you're right, to have taken a job at St George's Park. Which, um, you know, even if it's in the youth setup, it's still quite prestigious. Um, I also just don't think that managing EFL clubs isn't the holy grail. It's a great club, Swindon, and it's a great opportunity for someone. But I think there is a new sort of there's just so many opportunities for coaches now to to really make an impact in the game without having to be a senior manager. That's true. And that that can happen within the English FA. You know, and there's also like well-paid cushy jobs where you're not going to get sacked because you've just lost at Lincoln on a Tuesday night or something like that. So, you know, it's it's there the, it's that risk-free other than the development of of the future of English talent. So, I mean, I can understand why a role at the English FA is far more logical 
especially given his recent coaching history, which is a bit higgledy-piggledy. Yeah, and... I was about to say, I think, trying to anticipate our fan base, I think Rusk would be underwhelming. Oh, without albeit, doubt. We, as we've just spoken about, a bit of pedigree. Um, I think Crofts would be slightly more well-regarded on reputation. But again, I don't think it's blowing anyone's socks off. Um, someone's first job. There was only one person high up on the bookies lists that I think would get people a little bit excited. And that is the top seven to four, Ryan Mason. Ryan Mason, regardless of his Swindon form, he's first team coach to Conte Mm. at Spurs. And that's why, I mean, two weeks ago, we, we laughed at the notion of Ryan Mason. It was getting named early on. I don't know if he was, I don't think we'd even seen the, the bookies lists at that point. And I sort of laughed at it and go with the with the belief of why on earth would he leave that role at Spurs for Swindon Town? A really good number. I also believe that he could probably get a, a championship gig. He is very highly regarded. It would be one hell of a sell to convince Ryan Mason. I think it's a pipe dream myself. But hey, if he rocked up, I'd be you know very happy. Yeah, I, I would share your happiness, Rich. Um, I, I'm with you. It seems far fetched, even if. He is short in the bookies odds. Um, working under Antonio Conte at Spurs, working with one of England's greatest ever strikers, Harry Kane. He's still only 30, so there's no rush. You know, if if you're Ryan Mason, regardless of whether you had a nice loan spallet in town, you have got to be so sure when you jump ship for that EFL job, that is absolutely the right job. Because if you get that wrong, you're kind of, well, you're not back to square one, but you're kind of having to dust yourself off and um, build your way back up again, aren't you? Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you said it about three, four minutes ago, Rich. I think, I think Swindon is an attractive club to manage right now. Um, we are at our sort of lowest rung of our natural cycle, League Two. We almost got promoted last year under the embargo conditions with quite a thin squad, lacking depth. The crowds have been magnificent. So I I do think someone will do well to take this one in job because if you do the job well, there is an automatic promotion ready to get stamped on that CV. and then you'll probably get another job. Um, and that is the stepping stone life of um, being a club at the bottom uh, bottom end of the uh, of the tiers, unfortunately. But that would at least mean we're in League One. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think we're all assuming it's going to be a development head coach yeah. promotion, isn't it? I mean, I think I think there's no there's nothing out there that says that's a hundred percent going to happen. But the fact that we do have Sandro Di Michele and therefore it's going to be a head coach it really does seem that what we're going to get is a no thrills as in we're not going to get someone who played 600 times in the highest level and played 40 50 times for their country we are going to get someone that maybe played against Swindon a couple of times in the mid 2000s and their career didn't kick on but they became absolutely incredible elite level coaches well incredible ones with great reputations and looking for their first 
or second jobs mm. in in senior football. That that is what I've been looking around for, and it's been very difficult actually, because I think from what I know, Kevin Betsy, who's just gone to Crawley, he was Arsenal under twenty ones manager, huge reputation within the game as a good coach, and yeah. we've lost we've lost out on him potentially. We obviously weren't even looking for it at him, but. I know he is hugely well respected. It's all well and good me going on websites and just grabbing names because if I grab names, I'll see that Alan Connell at, at Bournemouth is in a role which could could result in yeah. like Swindon looking around. That's just one name. There's Brian Barry Murphy at, at Manchester City who's Rochdale, had a yeah. sample of Rochdale. We don't know. There's Paul McShane at Manchester United. There are there are unknowns like Ben Wilkinson. You know, people that you'll never hear of. There's Neil McFarlane at Brentford B, who's managed Kidderminster and he's been in that in that world. We're looking at Moneyball, it, it seems, certainly data. So yeah. we might want Neil McFarlane to come in and, and manage the club um, because he has experience in that area. We just don't know. And I think the fan base are gonna go a little bit crazy, but it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big sell because a lot of these elite level academy coaches it's not about them having cushy numbers but they're parts of a big project a big picture a methodology mm-hmm. and it's going to be hard for these guys to to step away from that yes and i think that's one another thing we should give Ghana credit for actually that ability to come into swindon town and really stamp on that ideology and um you know, from Ghana down, get everyone pulling the same way. So much like with Ghana, you know, there is a chance for an academy coach, someone like, a, you know, you've just mentioned Neil McFarlane at um, Brentford B. There's a chance for them to come in and really put their stamp on it. Because Swindon is still a club where, you know, from manager down, you can really put your, your stamp. There's no mega structure that you're slotting into, really. You know, we're anticipating we're also going to lose um, Scott Lindsay and um, Scott Marshall uh, if if compo can be agreed by the sounds of it. Um, so there is a pretty clean slate, um, which you could deem as, you know, something unsettling or you could deem it as a a chance to do things properly from here on. It, it, it's really hard to know because none of us have got the crystal ball how it's going to go. No, we don't. And we look forward to the next days or maybe a week before we see who that new manager is. I'm I'm sure there's going to be many a twist and turn. Um, My summer schedule is an absolute ruin. (laughs) You know, we're still waiting for a new manager. Players are going to start coming in. There were big, strong rumours Wednesday, the 8th of June, that that players were going to emerge. So no doubt they'll, they'll arrive on Thursday and I'll try and get some pods out in relation to those guys. And then suddenly we'll be back in pre-season. Season starts at the end of July. So I have a sneaky feeling it's just going to be current events for the remainder of the summer. I don't mind that. Good old I don't Swindon, mind that eh, Rich? Good old Swindon. It's just, yeah. No, so I, I, I do fear that, that that might be the case for the old pod. But, hey, better than nothing at all. So let's, let's talk about Sandro Di Michele, who... Um, didn't make a great impression on me. Um, scarf needs to be aloft, everyone. 
doesn't need to be shared within three people. Just raise that scarf out loud. Watch Harrison Minton do it, and you will know A-grade material from Harrison Minton <laughs> when it comes to scarves this season. But he's joined as technical director. It's not hard to find his background. He's on LinkedIn. Um, he had a little spell as a head recruitment analyst at Wigan Athletic. Not a lot more than that in the pro game. Um, his background is in the betting industry. So a huge, huge opportunity for him as technical director, replacing Ben Chorley as director of football. So slight realignment when it comes to terms of the job and the naming of the job, but he is in to replace Ben Chorley. I do, you know, tinfoil hat on. I do suspect that maybe this is a, uh, this was always on the cards. Perhaps, yeah. Um, and that might explain why the the Chorley resignation happened. Um be really good to hear from Chorley, actually, wouldn't it? I doubt yeah. we're gonna, but that that'd be good. Almost like an exit interview. Yeah, and and just to jump in there, I've already heard or read the rhetoric now that that's turning on Chorley. That's pretty much saying, Wow, he, he didn't do much anyway, he only did XYZ. And I think that's quite harsh without knowing harsh, the ins yeah. and outs. But it, it does seem very harsh. But it's funny how the rhetoric changes when they leave because a few weeks, months before, he was you know, crucial to what Swindon had achieved in yeah. the two transfer markets. But well, I guess we'll never know. No, and, you know, I would, I would stick by what we've been saying for a little while, which was, you know, of the two Bens, you know, people were making arguments for... Ben Chorley being the more important Ben. Um, you know, head coaches come and go, but, you know, we're still going to have that structure in place. We, you know, we were only talking about that two weeks ago, Rich. I think, you know, if Ben Chorley's job was to recruit players and be active in the loan market and make good connections, then, you know, he gets a big pat on the back for last year because the quality of loan player coming in was good. The quality of free signing was out, outstanding for this level. Louis Reed, Johnny Williams. You know, to name but two, um, took a punt on McCurdy, admittedly, but it worked. Um, so yeah, no, please don't rewrite history. I think Chorley did a good job there, much like Ben Garner did a good job. I know there's been some revisionism today, particularly with it being announced, but you know, good luck to both of them. What whatever Chorley does next, um, I imagine it'll be southeast. London-based, whatever it is. I'm, I'm trying to move on from the betting odds, but the list seems to have been suspended Ooh, in the time whoa. of recording. So, What does that mean? So, I don't know. Um, oh, my gosh. Wow. They suspended Ghana, didn't they? About two weeks ago, funnily enough, when our, our man in the South London Gazette said uh, it was a done deal. Oh, what does this mean? Well, this is live developments on the pod. Oh, dear. Now I, now I know how the uh, uh, fools rush in and the sub Tom Broadbent lounge felt when the Ghana news was uh, trickling in. Well, I think you can say this definitively. For a bookmakers to suspend the betting, they are sure a manager has got the job. Or, or someone's obscene amount of bets. Yeah, <laughs> an obscene amount of money, like from multiple people, yeah. has just gone in on from Rusk a Maltese banking account. Mem Corfuni. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that's. Let's see what happens there, and cool. see if I've got to record another bloody pod tomorrow. <laughs> well, I'm available tonight. Just been about. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
so yeah, very interesting times. We love the merry-go-round. We've, we've talked about it for 30-odd minutes, so we'll move on to any other bits. There's a few things that I forgot to mention, Please. Um, actually, from the last one. But first, a congratulations to Johnny Williams for qualifying for the World Cup. I'm not going to leave it on either commiserations or congratulations like I did in the last pod. So well done to him. He will get to play against England in the last five minutes um, mm-hmm. on the last in the last game. And it'll be an absolute privilege um, to have a Swindon player represent. Growing up in Kent, that's got to be the dream, isn't it? Playing against your home nation for a minor nation. Um, oh, so well done, Johnny. No, seriously, seriously. It's fantastic. I still get giddy like a child seeing a Swindon Town player in an international squad. I'm going to be even giddier, not as giddy as uh, JR and James, clearly, to see hopefully a Swindon player at the World Cup in Qatar. And I really hope he gets on. And I hope he becomes a lovely Swindon stat for all of time. We can add him to Alan McLaughlin, um, Fjortoff. Uh, did Longo get on? He didn't, did he? He didn't, but he, oh, went, but he, he went, went as a Swindon player. Yeah, no, yeah it, it makes me immensely proud. Even if he's only been asked for a season, I feel like we've looked after him well. I, I do think, hopefully, he will tear it up next year. Give us, uh, give us full beans. I certainly hope so. But it's a great I, I game, though. It... Great atmosphere. I, I was cheering oh. Wales on. I'll be honest. Well, one thing I've said it before. I've I've gone to Wales games in in Cardiff ground, and when they when they do sing Land of Fathers, it is genuinely quite impressive. They're quite a nation of singers, aren't they? They do love a bit of a sing-song. And in terms of the World Cup, you know, Swindon Town, and we've had McLaughlin, Fjortoft, we've had Luongo, and now we're having Johnny Williams as as contracted players, potentially, going to World Cups. We're not the biggest team in the world. And to just be able to say that we've been represented even only for such a few times, it just warms the old cockles, doesn't it? So yeah. congratulations to Jolly Williams and Wales. And but I cannot believe I forgot to mention that Nesta Lorenzo had got the Columbia yes. job. What a gig that is for him. I mean, they're not going to the World Cup, um, but he's taken over one of the, the major players of South American football. He got, their, he got his first win. Uh, this month against Saudi Arabia um, in Spain and um, friend of the pod, Nesta Lorenzo. Yeah. So incredible, incredible for him. And I wish him all the best. Yeah. And if I'm not wrong, Rich, you can edit this out. You're now on record as telling the story that he applied for the job. I have. Yes, indeed. So the story goes that, you know, we, we recorded the pods and we've always stayed in touch actually not I can't say that for every person I've talked to but there are three or four that I've stayed in touch with over the years Nesta Lorenzo is one of them he came to England at one point and we met up and Danny at the club gave us a tour around uh, the county ground he'd not been back since what when he left in 91 92 so it was it was a thrill for him to see his old seat and be pretty much the same as it was before in layout so we stayed in touch and about, well, it, it couldn't have been long after that, Richie Wellens left and I got a call from he, a football agent who was there on the day that I met Nestor, actually. He's a, he's a friend. I don't think he's his agent, but he's certainly an agent pal. And um, he gave me a call and Nestor essentially wanted the Swindon job. Uh, he wanted, he wasn't, you know, third tier football wasn't his 
wasn't what he was looking for, but it's Swindon Town and he wanted to come back and help out. Unfortunately, John Sheridan was probably already halfway to Swindon at mm-hmm. that point. Um, but a what could have been moment, yeah. Nesta Lorenzo, um, that would have been something else. Oh, absolutely. And I remember us guys, podcasters at the time, getting very giddy at the thought. Um, and that would have been a tremendously fun appointment, albeit he would have had the uh, ignominy of uh, working under Lee Power. So maybe bullet dodged Nesta. Yeah, almost certainly. Yeah. Almost certainly. <laughs> but best of luck with Colombia. Absolutely. It's what a what a job that is. So fingers crossed for him. So we've we've talked for about 40 minutes. We've rambled through some potential names. One day we'll get them. I have a seeky suspicion the, the future head coach has not been mentioned yet. Betton's been suspended. I'd just like to end on a full stop. That's all. Perfect. Cheers, Rich. I'm yet to find that full stop, but thanks, Dan. <laughs> Cheers, all. <laughs> the Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford, and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. <laughs> Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.